It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. What do we know and what do we not know? How's that for a question? Well, it makes sense to ask it of my guest, who entertains audiences with seemingly paranormal feats that defy explanation. He's Alain New, the man who knows, beginning his residency Thursdays through Saturdays at 7 p.m. at the Notoriety Theater inside Neonopolis on Fremont Street. For ticket information, go to notorietylive.com and for everything about Alain New, Go to themanwhoknows.tv, themanwhoknows.tv, and you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ira. So when did your fascination with the paranormal begin? I have been interested in the unexplained and magic and all of that stuff since I was very, very young. In fact, when I was in Washington, well... I was born in California, but San then, Francisco, uh, right? Uh, eventually, yeah, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then I, uh, and then we moved eventually to the East Coast because both of my parents were librarians. They were both library science majors, and my mom, who's Chinese, and my father, who's Vietnamese, ended up meeting in the international club at the University of Wyoming, Laramie. And so of all places, for two Asians to meet way back in the 20th century, that was uh, highly unlikely already. I love the uh, combination. You're absolutely right. And don't uh, skip over the fact about the librarians, because one was Library of Congress, and the other one was National Library of Medicine. That's right. My mother was at the National Library of Medicine, and my father uh, eventually moved to the Library of Congress when we moved to the East Coast. And it was at that point that my father said, you know, he wanted me to learn to read, you know, I was about seven years old at the time. And so he said, he said, look, if you want to learn about anything you want, I work at the largest library in the world. And of course, this is all pre-Google. So um, when he offered that to me, I just thought, what do I want to learn of everything that I could possibly learn? And I thought, well, if you work at the largest library in the world, maybe I could learn magic. And so... So at that point, you know, my dad, who knew nothing about magic or anything about that, just decided that he would bring me back a whole bunch of books and encourage me to read by by uh, bringing me back magic books. And the very first book that I read was a book by Walter B. Gibson called The Master Magicians. And it was basically all about the Romantic era conjurers that, you know, basically were doing their thing during the vaudeville time. And these days in Las Vegas, we're basically living in a veritable city of vaudeville. And so uh, so it, it really worked well. And the nice thing about reading about all those magicians at such an early age was I realized that they all had different styles. You know, it was really interesting because Houdini was like an escape artist. But then Alexander, whose name I take, the great Alexander, was a mentalist. And so so they all had these slightly different styles. And then, of course, you know, Keller was the master of levitation and there were all kinds of different magicians. It was almost like, as I was as I was watching cartoons, it was almost like watching the Justice League, but in real life with like these costumed characters that actually had these real powers that they promoted on a regular basis, and people would flock to see their shows. And so, this to me was extremely enticing for a seven eight year old to start reading about. And um, 
and realizing that it was a real thing that actually happened in history and realizing that I might be able to one day be a great magician in my life. It was the, 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 the bug that bit me and never left. Well, two things. I have to do a shout out to Walter B. Gibson because of all the magicians I've talked with over the years, over the decades. I actually have a Walter B. Gibson book. So the fact that you mentioned his name. I don't well, have... he was the creator of The Shadow. And so that was, the, that was his big claim to fame, The Shadow Knows. Right. The other thing is, when your dad gave you the option of picking a subject for him to go to the Library of Congress and get you all these books, you didn't indicate why you picked magic versus gardening or metaphysics or some other subject. Well, to me, it seemed like the obvious choice. A seven, eight-year-old boy is, you know, and especially at, a, at, at the time of my life in which I was just starting to realize that I was different from everybody else. So, I mean, at that particular time, I was actually the only Asian in my class and people saw me as different. And so there was a side of me that just, that just kind of decided that the path of least resistance was to just be different from everybody because they all thought I was different anyway. And, uh, you know, and, and to me, I had really kind of two choices. I was either going to embrace how different I was from everybody else, or I was going to get bullied. And, uh, and so the choice was simple to me. It was just to like, was, was to basically show them that I had powers <laughs> that, that were not to be messed with. <laughs> it's sort of like the kids that get bullied when they start doing comedy and it, their enemies or their bullies are disarmed. You used magic to disarm them. Very much so. In fact, in fact, some of my some of the, the the people who bullied me the most when I first started to go to the elementary school that I went to in the D.C. area became like my best friends later on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I ended up hanging out with this ragtag team of juvenile delinquents <laughs> just from just from suddenly realizing that I was cool with them. And uh <laughs> So it's a great that was, way to uh, start. That was I, the beginning of my life as an artist. <laughs> How many books did you get your dad to get for you out of the library before you finally started your own collection? Well, he got me like 10 at a time. And so he would bring me these stacks. And some of them were unusual. Some of them were like not even magic magician books, more like Aleister Crowley and the Necronomicon and stuff like that, because he didn't know what he was actually getting. You know, he just knew that he was looking up magic. And uh, so I got like a, an assortment of stuff that some of them, some of them I just put aside and said, yeah, I don't know if I can even read stuff like this at this <laughs> point. But what's interesting is that that stuff, you know, the, 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 the ceremonial magic stuff that he did bring me back, bring back for me was stuff that uh, stuff that I found interesting later on in life. Like I kind of realized as I, you know, grew into it that, uh, that there was something to there that, that that uh, defined the unexplained actually better than a magician might, because a magician has a tendency to take areas of the unexplained and tries to explain them. You know, that's the thing that magicians love to do more than anything is they like to they like to think that maybe the thing that happened before that was magical or that was mysterious or that was even miraculous has an explanation behind it. And that all they need to do is use their, you know, uh, analytical mind to be able to 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 figure out what it was that took place and then oftentimes what will happen is that they'll come up with a solution and then they'll decide that that's the actual solution to what actually took place but in all of reality you can't actually do that you you can you can you can kind of 
theorize, you can hypothesize on what took place. But uh, but the interesting thing to me about the mind and uh, and about human existence on this planet is simply that we have lived on this planet for so long that there might be there might have been a time in which we knew things that we no longer know, and that we do things that we no longer do, and things that are evidence of that are things like the pyramids and all the megalithic structures all over the world and stuff like that. And I'm not saying anything about you know going into the world of ancient aliens or anything like that, but I am saying that it's curious that at some point somebody was able to do that, and it was probably us. So if it was us, then probably we forgot something because we don't know how to make those things anymore. So um, I find the area of the unexplained to be the most interesting thing about doing what I do and, uh, and, and being able to give people that experience through my show. And, uh, it's very exciting to me. It's basically, you know, it's been the thing that I've always wanted to do all my life. And, uh, you know, I've gone through all sorts of ups and downs from being an adult in this world and being married and divorced and, and losing things like my home and all of the, all practically all of my possessions at one point. But being somebody who tries to understand things that aren't explainable, it made me realize that there's some hope there, you know. And in fact, if you can, if you can just kind of hope that there is something unexplainable, that you can have some kind of that you can take the wheel and kind of have some control over, it gives you, I think, enough hope and inspiration to move forward and to get past some of the troubles that you might be going through. And uh and it's really that that I find real magic. You know, I think I think that real magic happens in how you manifest your future life and how you actually take your life and make it better by by your own willful intent, if you will. So you took those magic books that your dad brought home from the library for you, and you expanded beyond that in terms of your worldview. In other words, you're not just looking at the mechanics of a trick or the mechanics of staging an illusion. You're looking at a, a little bit of a broader area than that. So on one hand, magic is about illusion, and it's about understanding how to create things that aren't necessarily real, but to create it in such a way that it feels real to everyone who actually sees it. And what I think is so curious about that is that it's kind of like the beginning in my opinion, of making your dreams come true. Because if you can actually, if you can actually create a model of something that you want in the future, and you are able to construct that model, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the actual power or the actual ability that you're trying to construct, by creating the model and by understanding how it, how it interacts with the people around you and stuff, you start to pick up on certain things that I think that sometimes, I think that sometimes people can find inspiration in those things that are just illusions. You know, I think that somehow people can find some kind of inspiration in the models that we create to, you know, to, to, to do something else. And, and oftentimes the best inspirations happen by accident. And those accidents are what I'm trying to hit. You know, like I'm really, like I don't really know the direction that I'm going at. Other than I know that I can create these beautiful experiences that look like, you know, amazing entanglements are taking place and mind over matter is real and all of that stuff. And, and the only thing that I have to support the fact that those things are real or genuine is the fact that, uh, you know, I believe that 
the thing that we do as human beings on this planet is exercise our energy, if you will, to be able to explore the life that we live. And the way we ex exercise that energy defines ultimately the life that we live. And so in my opinion, if you take that, you know, to its core essence, that really is mind over matter. That really is your mind helping you to, to guide yourself through your life and through your existence by giving you the energy to explore it in a way that doesn't destroy you or that, or that keeps you alive and that, you know, allows you to survive in these you know, not so, not so easy environments that we, that we are put into, you know, so. It's the element of hope that, again, right? Exactly. And, and, and I, and I feel like that's the thing that magic gives more than anything is it gives people a, a hope. And I feel like there's a magic, there's a, there's a thing that's in that hope that actually drives people and that actually takes people in a direction that uh, is meaningful to them. And I feel that with people, I mean, we all want to be entertained. We in Las Vegas is the city of entertainment. Las Vegas is where people come to be entertained by people like myself and dancers and comedians and, you know, shows and reviews. And it's, this thing that I have, you know, the, the, this ability to make people awestruck by the unexplainable. I think that that, that little, that little area is something that people always find entertaining to be awestruck by a miraculous or magical type of experience. And, you know, on one hand, you can see an illusionist here in Las Vegas saw a woman in half or float them in the air and then make them disappear and things like that. And there's all kinds of amazing spectacles that you can see here in Las Vegas. And oftentimes when people see those spectacles, they might say to themselves, that's an amazing technologically advanced lighting system that they have that allows them to be able to produce those kinds of things, or they must have some kind of trap door in the stage and stuff like that. And people will tend to try to try to wrap their head around things that they can't explain. And they'll oftentimes resort to things like trap doors and, you know, <laughs> it's in the other hand, that kind of thing. And so I feel that with my job, what I want to do is I want to take the preconceived notions that other people have about magic and just kind of turn it upside down on them so that they can re-experience in an adult world, the magic that they might've experienced when they were young, but suddenly realize that there's a real inexplicable thing that's taking place here that no lighting system or trap doors or sleight of hand can actually can actually replace and that inexplicability is really is really something to do with how the mind just kind of lines up and how we can actually think the same way at certain times or synchronize our thoughts or or somehow predict a future event that's going to take place and how is it that we do that? And when people see my show, I think that that's the thing that they're actually experiencing. They're experiencing something that's so close to being real that they just can't, uh, they can't wrap their head around it. And it becomes, it becomes that thing that becomes a miraculous event that they can feel that very, very special, uh, sense of, uh, of awesomeness that, that comes from just that experience. And that's something that you can't find in a comedian. It's something that you can't find in, you know, dancers and stuff like that. And they can do things that really, really make you feel like that's like borderline paranormal, you know, because of the way the dancers can move and the way that they can do their thing. But, uh, but what I do is, uh, is, is a little bit more mental. It's a little bit more internal and it gives people that feeling of 
how in the world. And it ultimately will, in my my personal opinion, is that it will transfer on beyond their vacation here in Las Vegas into their lives. And, and, uh, and it will hopefully inspire them in directions that will make them realize just how important connecting with other people actually is. You know, the, the, the truth is, is that if I were to have a message for what I do, it's really about the fact that connection is the key. And that if there's any problems here in the world today, it really has to do with the fact that we feel disconnected with the things around us and that, and that, and that there are things that actually disconnect us from each other. And, uh, and what we need to do is just realize how important that connection is, that connection is the key, that disconnection is the enemy, and that we need to move forward from there. It sounds like you are giving people an experience rather than a spectacle. Yeah, I'm trying my best. And, and you know, simultaneously, I want to give them that theatrical experience. And one of the things that I'm doing right now as I'm moving into, you know, coming up to the 19th, you know, opening my show at Neonopolis uh, at the Notoriety Theater, I feel that what I want to do is give people a little bit, you know, that theater is so beautiful. I mean, when you come out to that theater, you're going to see like, you're going to see, you know, nice VIP seating areas with table seating. You can, you know, order drinks and have them come right to your table. And then behind that, there's rake seating going up all the way, 187 seats, I believe. And it's a, and it's a nice theater with, you know, lighting trusses and digital screens and stuff like that. So as a performer who's like a club date performer, you know, I can, I can literally perform anywhere and, and, and be able to give them that experience that we're talking about. You're not like, traveling with large props or with uh, tigers and lions and all that stuff. Right. But at the same time, you know, in a theater like, the notoriety, you've got just beautiful lighting systems and, and digital screens that you can put media up onto and stuff. And, and, uh, and I'm not usually, I'm not usually that, that guy that has that type of show. And so right now, what we're doing is we're actually doing our best to just try to fill that space so that, so that it becomes a show that people can actually see, not just me doing the thing that I do and giving them the experience of, seeing something that they can't explain. But uh, it's also me working with their technical director and, and creating nice little lighting plots in different parts of the theater so that they never know where I'm going to show up next. They don't know if they're going to be the next one that's going to be chosen to do the thing with me that they're going to do. And, and I'm excited. I think that, you know, we'll have music, we'll have lights, we'll have good sound and uh, and a nice theater to perform in. And it's right on Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas, which is, in my opinion, the most exciting part of Las Vegas that there is. So I'm super, super stoked at being able to start this show and and uh, bring it to the people who come. And this is not your first time in Las Vegas. So you're you're a veteran of the Las Vegas entertainment scene, which is always helpful. I forgot to ask you a question, but it's a good time to raise it. When did you decide to, because I think you mix your personal and your professional in terms of your approach to what we've been talking about. But when was it that you decided to make it a career? In other words, were you a teenager still or a young adult? When did you make that decision that this is what you want to do professionally, as well as pursue it on a personal level with your various interests? Well, I think all through high school, I kept asking myself, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I'm, am I going to be a communications major? Because that was kind of what I wanted to do originally. And uh, do I want to uh, explore film and TV and that kind of thing? And and uh, while I'm in class in my first year of college, I'm just working on my stage show. <laughs> and 
And so by the end of that first semester, I just realized that I'm spending so much time working on my show and actually so little time doing my homework and things that are important that maybe the choice is that college is something that I can leave behind and that I can actually pursue this as a real career. And so, and, and I got really lucky, you know, in many ways, on one hand, it's all about the study and the research that you put into doing what you do. But on the other hand, there, it, it's really about the people that you end up meeting by accident and the people that just end up taking you under their wing and having some feeling that, uh, that, that there's potential here and that they want to take that potential and help to mold it to be the future of what we do. And, uh, and I was just very lucky. I met a couple of people that were really, really important to me. Uh, a guy by the name of Denny Haney, who was my, who was my, what I call my business mentor. He was actually, actually an illusionist who would do like the Houdini box escapes and levitate a woman and things like that. And I was his stage manager for 10 years. So, I mean, I worked with him and by, by really just being in his, being in his truck for 10 years, basically, uh, helping him unload and load and set up and pack down and stuff like that. Hearing him on the phone, talking to agents and stuff like that. I, I learned the business and I leaned it over 10 years of, uh, of just, uh, being in his presence. Then after that, you know, other people who were also creators within the industry who I highly respected, a fellow in Belgium by the name of Christian Chalman, fellow in Mon in, in uh, the Quebec, Montreal area by the name of Gary Kurtz. These were all people who inspired me to move forward and, and a lot of their styles and a lot of their uh, techniques were things that I kind of adopted into my own and it, Brought me here to Las Vegas. So what can I say other than uh, it's nice to be able to still manifest at my age? <laughs> what was the reaction of your parents, especially they come from two different cultural backgrounds? Oh, they couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what have I done? <laughs> In the end, I feel I feel like they are very proud of me. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, my father died a couple of years ago, but he was, uh, I feel like... Uh, you got to see me, you know, kind of building my life back up. And my mom, who's still alive, is real proud of me and is excited to come out to Las Vegas to see my That's show. That's great. Did you ever get a call from the Library of Congress wanting those books back? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I actually did do a couple of lectures for the Library of Congress, one on Asian magic and another on the type of magic that I currently do. So uh, so I'm I'm very happy to feel that I'm part of the the machinery of Washington, D.C.'s entertainment scene. Well, you are because you also appear at the Spy Museum every year, right? I, I did. Um, I haven't been doing that recently since they moved locations. But uh, but yeah, at, at one time I did a show called The ESP and Espionage, which was all about the secret American government plot to, to, to win the Cold War against uh, the Soviets in, in trying to study basically clairvoyance, basically remote viewing, which is essentially clairvoyance in the world of psychic powers. And in your honor, they, they named it Operation New. <laughs> they had a lot of operations. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they had a new operation. <laughs> Are you always working on new parts of your act? I'll call it an act, but you obviously frame it in a certain way. But are you always working on new aspects to add to it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because people say, you know, so what's the name of your show? And uh, and I and I keep thinking to myself, should I change the name of my show? But I mean, my title is The Man Who Knows. So why not, while I'm still not exactly 100% famous in this world, just call myself The Man Who Knows and uh, embrace that and hope that uh, it catches on. I really do feel 
you know, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of, lot of mentalists in the world and, and here in Las Vegas, there are a few, but I feel like the thing that I'm going to bring that's a little bit different is really a kind of new take on the classic stuff that you might see a mentalist do. So, I mean, if you come and see my show, it's not going to be like any other mentalist that you've seen. It might be similar, but there are things that are going to be a little bit different. The, the style in which I bring to you the information and stuff, the way I am playful about the information and not too serious about what I do actually makes it a lot of fun and very entertaining really for the whole family. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, Super, super excited. Well, you inspired me because you're known as the man who knows, and I've decided to be the man who yeses. <laughs> I, I think I could well, do something you with know, that. It's funny because people tend to introduce me in weird ways. If they don't look too carefully or read, they'll call me the man who knows everything or the man who knows all. And I'm like, I'm not the man who knows everything. <laughs> I am just the man who knows. But I am always the man who knows eventually. <laughs> Do you get a chance to talk to the audience afterwards and get a sense of how they enjoyed the show or if they have questions? That's my favorite part of the show is really just connecting with my audience after the show and signing autographs and taking pictures. And that to me is the celebrity part that I don't always have. And, uh, and it's a part that I love just because it allows me to meet the people who come out and see my show and show them my appreciation for how they came out and saw me. Well, do you ever get any audience members after the show suggesting ideas for you to add to the performance? A lot of times. And 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 even my friends continue to do that to me. And, you know, all I can say is <laughs> I take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to chart your own path. And it's always good to get feedback from the audience, but not in terms of how you want to present yourself because you you have a unique presentation. So you don't want to necessarily borrow from too many sources. Right. That's true. And, you know, and it's funny because I have noticed that there are performers in this area who, you know, I, I'll go, I'll go, wait, wasn't that that other guy's thing? And, you know, and I, I, I love to do things that are similar, but I'll, but I'll twist it a little bit. So I don't, uh, so even if you think that you saw what I am about to do, usually there's something that happens at the end or something that happens somewhere in the middle that you go, wait a second, I wasn't expecting that part. And I love to add that. That's my, that's my little, you know, it's funny because comedians do that too. They, they take concepts and then they just like give a little twist to it. So it's no longer the other guys. It's now their idea. And they've just twisted it in such a way that, uh, that it becomes new and different. I think that Las Vegas really appreciates that in performers. I think that when they see a performer that's been hackneyed or somebody who's doing somebody else's, you know, stuff that uh, that it weirdly can be felt here in Las Vegas better than it can be felt anywhere else. It might seem original anywhere else, but here in Las Vegas, as soon as they see it, it's like they can tell that there's a disingenuousness to it that uh, that can be felt. And and so I, you know, as an artist, and I do like to think of myself as a performing artist, I'm really just, I'm really trying to add to the conversation of what it is that we do. So even though I might do things that have a similarity to some other thing that you might have seen another mentalist do. In the end, it will add to that conversation and it will and it will give you something a little bit different to think about regarding that. It might even make you say, hmm, I guess it doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, so that's that's the idea behind doing this and playing this particular game of, of uh playing these, you know, mind games with people. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Alain New, the man who knows beginning his residency Thursdays through Saturdays at 7 p.m. at the Notoriety Theater inside Neonopolis on Fremont Street. For ticket information, 
Go to NotorietyLive.com and for everything about a law new, go to TheManWhoKnows.tv. TheManWhoKnows.tv. And you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Alon, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Ira. It was great. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.